Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. So this morning, it is my great pleasure uh, to introduce a dear friend of mine, a dear friend of my wife's, uh, Miss Alita Allen. I am uh, truly blessed to know her, and uh, so I am so thankful to know her. Okay. Danny, David. Danny, David, and Roger. He said this is Alita's geriatric pickup band, so... uh, (laughs) Anybody have the paddles ready in case something falls apart here? We'll, uh, we'll be ready. Listen, so, so this is how it's going to It's going to be a little different this morning. Uh, it's going to be a little different. I know that we're Baptist and we're really set in our normal ways, but it's going to go a little different. So we're going to sing a couple songs uh, with Alita here, the first two songs. Uh, then our ushers are going to come forward. They're going to take up our offering. And uh, when you sit down uh, to dig in and give what the Lord has laid on your heart to give this week, just stay where you're at. Alita's going to sing a couple more songs after that, okay? So just uh, sing and sing and worship God. I know there's nothing that would tickle these guys more than to see you worship with them this morning. So let's, uh, let's worship the Lord. Miss Alita. Amen. Well, thank you. I feel like I need to give like a thank you speech or something. <clears throat> I'd like to thank my mom and my dad. Uh, my name's Alita. And before I start singing, I just want to um, kind of tell you about myself because I feel like we're family, you know, sisters and brothers in the Lord. Amen. Um, so my name is Alita Allen. I live in Lebanon. I actually met Leah, um, at a homeschooling mom thing where both of us ended up sitting together. And I don't think we heard anything of what the, the people were talking about because her and I just were quick, very fast friends. Um, and so uh, her and Jason, would co- they came over a couple times to um, our farm. And um, they met my husband and all that stuff. I have four small kids. They're two, four, six, and eight. And about 15 months ago, my husband passed away. So I am a widowed woman. I'm getting used to saying that. And, um, but God has just placed a new fire and a new just passion for just worshiping him and praising him. Because it's so true. If you can praise through the storm, there is a peace that passes all understanding. And it's just the truth. So I just encourage you guys to sing and worship with us this morning. And I'm just so honored to be here. This is just such a blessing for me. So please feel free to worship. Grandeur earth is quaked before Moved by the sound of his voice Seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard But through it all, through it all My eyes are on you Through it all, through it all is well Through it all, through it all My eyes are on you It is well with 
Just think on that this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that we can let go and we can trust him. A mighty God who hears our hearts and hears our cries. Thank you, Jesus. So let go my soul and trust in him the waves and wind still know his name the waves and wind still know
is the blood that cost a life, paid my way, death its price. But when it flowed down from the cross, my sins were gone, my sins forgot. There is a grave. Tried to hide this precious blood that gave me life, but in three days he breathed again and rose to stand in my defense. So I come to tell you he's alive. To tell you. So I come to tell you that he saves To shout and to proclaim Oh, he's coming back for you This life, this price This blood, this one Jesus, tell me what can make me whole. 
I could just sing that forever and ever. That just gets me a going. Anybody else? I mean, tell me what can't wash away my sin. Y'all should try it. It's fun. Let loose. Amen. Okay, so this I'm going to finish up uh, with this song. It's a song the Lord gave me um, after my husband passed away. Six months later, my mom, my sweet mama passed away from pancreatic cancer. And so, um, me and my kiddos were out there for three weeks. We came back and I just was like, Lord, um, what's going on? You know? And, uh, he just was so sweet. I tell you, I mean, beyond. And it was like, I just felt this peace come over me. And I remember sitting in my car and just thinking, Lord, I am so grateful to have you. And I am so grateful and honored that you counted me worthy to walk this road and I wouldn't want to do it without him (laughs) so this song is called Grateful Daughter and really it's just my heart cry of just a place of truth of where I was at but then a big God that comes in and just brings a peace, amen You saw me on my knees crying out to my creator. You saw me at your feet broken apart and begging for relief. All the fears holding me down just like chains. Oh, that I couldn't break. You saw the tears drowning me out. You saw the wound, oh, like stripes on my back. Couldn't hide the anguish inside from my healer. I couldn't hide the torment threatening to take me down. But you lifted me up to heavenly places. Oh, my feet didn't touch the ground. I am great. Don't grieve like the world I am grateful 
What Miss Alita didn't share with you all was that uh, when she and Liette met and had made fast friends, she told Liette, she said, I am, uh, I've really been wanting to learn how to sing. And Liette said, well, my husband gives voice lessons. <laughs> and that's how we met officially was when Alita started her voice lessons. And I am so proud of her. Um, Obviously, you know that's not true, but I, uh, thank you, Alita and the Geriatric Pickup Band, we, wow, wow, thank you for letting God use you in spite of what you could have done, would have been easy to crumble, would have been easy to fall, but I thank God that you said, not today, Satan, not today. I'm going to sing because God put a song in my heart, and I thank God for that. And so thank you so much for being my friend and for coming to sing with us this morning. I could get up and say a lot of things right now. I could get up and do a lot of things, but I just want to share with you that the Holy Spirit has already moved in this place. There are already lives being impacted by what the Holy Spirit is doing, doing for them right now. There's already been a, a movement of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is if you haven't felt it, it's your fault. <laughs> Sorry. If you haven't felt it, check your pulse. If you haven't felt it, Check your salvation because you can't feel the Spirit of the Lord till you have the Spirit of the Lord. So if you've been here this morning and you haven't worshipped God at this point, the, the blame doesn't lay on God. The blame doesn't lay on the preacher. The lay, blame, it doesn't blame on, on, on the bass player or, or on David or on anybody else. The, the blame lies squarely in you because you didn't come in here with an attitude of worship. Too many times we walk in, we cross our arms, and we sing glory, hallelujah. I shall not be moved no matter what they say, no matter what they do. But if you have come in here with that attitude this morning, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God has removed that from you, that you will, if you didn't come in here ready to worship, you'll leave here having worshiped. If you didn't come in here saved, you'll leave here having been saved. If you didn't come in here with a song, you'll leave here with a song to sing as we turn to the book of Romans chapter 8 this morning. 
The book of Romans chapter 8. Let me just tell you something. The book of Romans is one of the richest books in all of the Bible theologically. So many scholars have spent so much time going through the nuances and the wording and the language of Paul's letter to the Romans. So many people have spent so much time. And the reason that they have done that is because it is one of the greatest displays of the gospel that is found throughout all the pages of the Bible. Now sure, Genesis through Revelation is a crying out of the glory of God. It's all a, a crying out of the, of the gospel. But Romans does such a wonderful job of presenting the gospel. I mean, my goodness, I, I can't even read the book of Romans without getting tore up. Now, I know you find that hard to believe. I never get tore up. But when I read the book of Romans, I get tore up just a little bit. And you want to, too. I mean, it opens up. In chapter 1, and it starts presenting the glory of God right off the bat in chapter 1. Now, yeah, Paul gives a little introduction. But then he goes on to start talking about this gospel of God. About verse 18, though, of chapter 1, Paul begins to think about something, and he begins to deal with the sinfulness of man. He deals with our fallen nature. He begins to talk about how our sin has entered into our lives and caused us to fall short of the glory of God. That kind of peaks in chapter 3, verse 9, when Paul writes that no matter what your nationality, be you Greek, be you Jew, be you Gentile, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you've got a debt of sin that's got to be paid. Paul kind of crescendos there in verse 9 of chapter 3 and then in verse 21 of chapter 3 I feel like Paul had talked about sin long enough and he spends from verse chapter 3 verse 21 all the way through the end of chapter 5 talking about salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the death of Jesus Christ that we can have be saved now come on now that is the best presentation of the gospel that's ever been he says God is holy man is not and you need Jesus I mean, does it get any better than that? He said, God is holy. You are not, and you need Jesus. You can't be holy apart from Jesus because you are a sinful man. And Paul spends all that time, and then he starts in chapter 6. And he starts to deal with what happens as a result of Jesus. Huh? Come on, what happens as a result of Jesus? Since you get saved, there are some things that come along with that. And in chapter 8, we find Paul kind of in this moment where he's been spending two chapters writing about what happens as a result of the Holy Spirit's movement in your life and as a result of the salvation by Jesus Christ. So please stand this morning in honor of the reading of the holy, infallible, and errant holy words of our holy God from the book of Romans, chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. And he writes, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hang on for me. Let's read that one again. I don't think it sunk in for you. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen, it's not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Let's pray. Father God, Father God, I thank you. 
I thank you that this morning, the manifest presence of your Holy Spirit has been with us. God, I don't take lightly that that is a precious gift from you. That there was nothing that any of us could have done to have mustered, dreamed, or wished that up. Lord God, it is a gift from you. And I pray that you would continue to dwell among us through the preached word, Lord. That not a word from me would be heard. But that words from you would be spoken. God, you bind any spirit from this place that ain't your Holy Spirit. And dwell among us. It's in your heavenly name we pray as all God people said. And you may be seated. The longing for God's glory. A better, uh, another title I toyed with would have been from suffering to glory. That probably causes more of our little feel sensors to go off when I say from suffering to glory, doesn't it? I'm going to imagine that there's not a person in here that can't identify with suffering of some sort. So if I would have said from suffering to glory, you would have immediately said, wait a minute, I got that one. Wait a minute, I know about that suffering thing. I know what that feels like. I know what you're talking about from suffering to glory. That's my kind of thing. But I thought the longing for God's glory was a more uh, fitting title for this message. And we're going to kind of work out of order a little bit. I know we read from 18 through 25, but we're going to pick up in verse 19. And we're going to be talking about the groaning of the creation. The groaning of the creation. In, In verse 19 it says, With earnest expectation of the creation, eagerly waiting for the revealing... Of the sons of God. So what in the world is that talking about? That phrase, earnest expectation. When you see that there, and some translations may word it differently, but the the gist is going to be the same. The earnest expectation for the longing, searching, the looking. It's literally a phrase that that talks about the craning of the neck, the stretching to see something, the the, the looking around, trying to see something. It's like Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man, but he climbed up in a sycamore tree because the Savior, he was was eagerly expecting the Savior, and he was was looking for the Savior. It's like my, my children, when they hear that nanny is coming, to pick them up and all of a sudden they go from so lazy they can't pick up their room to they can't they can't get to the window they climb on the kitchen table to look out the window and try to see when's that white car pulling in the driveway they look with their eager expectation it's that same idea looking for something excited to see something longing for for something there but in verses 19 through 22 we see that he says that that the creation is is craning its neck and, and eagerly looking And so what in the world are we talking about here in these three verses? And there are a few possibilities about what we could be talking about in terms of creation. One of which would be that that maybe it's talking about the the angels as part of creation. Maybe he's talking about the angels looking for the revealing of the sons of God. But I don't believe that it would be the angels because let's just be honest. They're already present in the throne room of glory around the feet of God. What are they eagerly waiting for? They are, it ain't going to get no better for the angels. Things can't go up from the presence of God, my friends. Things can't get no better than the presence of God. So why would they be eagerly expecting or, or looking out upon anything there? And you know what? Maybe, maybe it's the demons looking for the revealing of the sons of God. Well, that just don't make no good sense, though, does it? I mean, a demon is a demon because it was cast out because it didn't believe in God as a holy God. So it's probably not looking for the revealing of the glory of God. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's the belief. Maybe it's people, maybe it's mankind. Well, 
That'd be okay, but in verse 23, we see he starts to deal directly with people. And so I don't believe it's people. I don't believe it's angels. I don't believe it's demons that Paul is writing about here. I don't think that's what the Holy Spirit wanted us to see. Well, that's all basically of the, the animate objects that we can think about, all of the things that are able to crane their neck and look and, and be expecting in those things. My friends, I believe that when he writes about the creation right here, I believe he's talking about the sun and the moon and the stars and the grass and the fish and the waters and the streams and the sunlight and the moonlight and the starlight and the galaxies and all of those things that we see out in the night sky and all of those things that we see in the day sky. I believe that creation itself, literally the creation itself apart from man is eagerly expecting the revealing of the glory of God. It is eagerly looking. You say, well, Brother Jason, you're crazy. Why would Paul put a personification on creation like that? I don't know. Isaiah did it when he said that the wilderness would be glad. He personified the wilderness and said it would be glad. Why in the world did the stars in the sky shine when Jesus was born so bright that the men in the east would see it and start marching towards a Savior that they'd been looking to? My friends, it's because creation cries out for the glory of God. Just a few weeks ago, we saw the moon do a dance in front of the sun because it was crying out to the glory of God. It was crying out to all of us. He is an amazing God. But my friends, what in the world is going on? Paul says the creation it's eagerly expecting, it's craning its neck, it's looking, and it's groaning. What does it mean to groan? It literally means groaning. It's, it's seeking something better. So creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, the grass, the fields, are groaning, are groaning, looking for the glory of God. They're looking for the end of human history when there'll be a new heaven, when there'll be a new earth, when all old things will perish and the new things will be created and mankind will come to an end of this age and be in its glorified age and, and the glory of God is fully revealed. Look at verse 21 with me just for a second. Why is, why is creation looking for that? It says because creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. All of creation looking to be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Brother Jason, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you mean. You did a good job saying it, saying it loud where we understood that there was some emphasis. But I don't know what you What do you mean creation is groaning, looking for glory, and, and it's all this? Well, take, take a step back. Look at verse 20 with me. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. Subjected to futility. Literally, that word means it was aimless. It became aimless. So here's where, here, here's where we're going to go. Let's back up for just a minute. So when God created things, what did he say about it? He said it was what? Good. good. Then he got done. He went a step further. He said it was very good, didn't he? So God created things. He said, it's good. And then he said, it's very good. And so creation itself was created good. Creation itself was not just created good. It was created very good. Now, why was creation created very good? To bring glory to God. Do you, do you realize that? 
Everything that we see, everything that we are, everything we do, everything about us was created to glorify God. Now, I know that I've preached it several times. I've said, you want to know why you're here? You're here to glorify God. You're looking for a purpose in your life? It's to give glory to God. But did you know that the trees, too, they weren't created for your pleasure. Sure, you can enjoy them. They were created to glorify God. The rocks were here to glorify God. I know when you dig a garden, it don't feel like they're all that glorifying. But they're here to glorify God. The water is here to glorify God. And we are here to glorify God. We were all created to glorify God. That was our purpose. But just just think about what happened when sin entered the world. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. And then to Adam, he said, and this is the Lord... He said, because you heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. We can stop right there. Cursed is the ground. Thorns and thistles come forth. Cursed is the ground. So what happened when man sinned, when Adam sinned, causing the fall of man, as we so delicately put it, the creation fell right with it. Wait a minute. That means that, hang on, why does creation groan? Because of nothing that it did. Creation was created for his glory and was just sitting there glorifying God like it was supposed to. And man came along, subjected creation to its futility, sinned and messed everything up all at one time. When he took a bite of that apple, he didn't bring the debt of sin and corruption into our lives alone. He brought it on the entire creation. And so here you have a creation created to glorify its creator and it just can't do it. It was created to glorify God, and it can't anymore. And that's why it's looking, because creation understands that when God returns, when Jesus steps out and man is glorified fully, that it can go back to doing what it was made to do. It can go back to glorifying God. That tore me up this week. That tore me up. I said, wait a minute, you mean the tree? That's right, the trees are looking for the coming of Jesus Christ because they can't do what they were made to do. And how many of us are looking for the coming of the glory of Jesus Christ? Huh? If we won't look, the trees will be. They're looking for the coming of the glory of Jesus Christ. Sin messed everything up. So we looked at the groaning of creation. Let's move quickly. And let's look at the groaning of man. Verse 23 says, not only does creation cry out, but that we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. You know who that is? That's us, Christians. That's those of us who have received the Holy Spirit. That's those of us who know God. Those of us who know Jesus Christ, we groan as well. We groan ourselves. We groan within ourselves. Why? Because we're looking for the coming of Jesus. We're looking for Jesus to step out on a cloud to call us home. It says when he stepped out on the cloud and he calls us, he says, Come on, I'm going to be like Lazarus, amen? I'm going to hear my Savior cry and I'm going to stand up and walk out whether I got rags on or whatever I got on. It don't matter what I got on. I'm going to put on a new outfit. I'm going to have a new name. I'm going to have a new song. And I'm going to sing it to the glory of God for the first time in my life because I'm going to be right there with him when Jesus steps 
wipes out. And so we groan looking to the day of redemption. 1 Peter 3 and 4 says that we have an eternal inheritance that we're looking for. But it also says that inheritance won't fade away. On this earth, everything fades away. Everything you've ever touched, everything you've ever felt, no matter how good it was, it's fading away. Why? Because it's subjected to the futility of life as a result of sin. So it's fading away. But one day, we'll get an inheritance that will never fade away. Because there is no sin. There is no corruption. There is no degrading. There's nothing going on. And so it's an eternal inheritance. But not only does it say it's an eternal inheritance that won't fade away, but it says that we don't receive it until the day that we receive our glorious freedom. So we have an inheritance as believers that we can anxiously look forward to. But we still groan, don't we? I mean, the older we get, the more we groan, don't we? I groan about things physically now that didn't bother me a few years ago. I groan about things that didn't bother I used to not question. If Brother Larry said, you want to play softball, I wouldn't have said it depends on how my ankle feels. I would have said, sure. If he said, you want to play basketball, I'd have said it depends on how fat I am that week. I mean, I groan about things that I didn't used to groan about. Some of you groan about things you didn't used to groan about too, don't you? All right, I get it. Y'all y'all falling apart, okay? Good Lord. What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's get that right. We, we groan about the state of this world that we live in, don't we? Oh, boy, things are getting bad. Things are getting worse. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I look at my children in their bed and I say, Please, God, don't let this get too much worse before they get my age. If it gets as bad between their age and when they're my age as it has between when I was their age and where I'm at now, I don't know how they're going to stand it. God, don't, don't, please, God. God, come back. Right? Ain't that what we cry? God, just come back. Why do we cry that? Because we're looking for the return of the sun. That's what we're looking for. We anxiously await it. We're eagerly expecting it and we're craning our necks. God, come back because that's the only way it's going to get better. We groan because people we depend on let us down. Don't they? People we depend on lead us, lead us down the road that, that we didn't think they'd lead us down. They guide us in a direction that we didn't think they'd guide us in. Suddenly we're disappointed. It's not their fault. They're subjected to the, the, the sin dead in their life. They didn't do it because they don't love you. They did it because they're sinners. We groan because we lose a loved one to sickness. We groan because something goes on and it, it, it seems like God is not present. We feel life just pushing. You know what I'm Am I the only one that's ever felt that? Just, you just feel like all of a sudden you're, you're stuck and life is coming in all around you. What do you do? You groan, don't you? Oh, gosh. I don't know, God. And that's what creation is doing. It's deteriorating just like us as a result of our sin. Scripture tells us that through one man, Adam, sin entered the world. And what does it say came along with him? Death. Through one man, Adam, sin entered the world. And along with it came death. That's why everything's dying. 
From the moment you're born, you're dying. From the moment things are planted, they're dying. Everything's dying. It's the result of sin. Just like creation. We're falling away from what we were originally created to be. We were created to glorify God. And we don't. We don't glorify Him with all of our lives. Why? Because we can't anymore. Because of sin. And the only way we can get back there is through Jesus. The only way we can get back to the glory of God is through Jesus Christ. Not in and of ourselves. How many people are walking around today trying to do it on their own? How many people are walking? You know what I think is funny? And maybe I'm the only one that found it humorous. But just well, two weeks ago at this eclipse... I mean, if there's one group of people out there that don't cry out the glory of God, it's the scientists. Huh? If there's any one group of people out there that won't give glory to God, it's the scientists. But did you know that across this great nation from Oregon to South Carolina, there was an awful lot of people that have never given glory to God that were given glory to God by looking at His creation. Ain't that funny? I wanted to go tap some of them on the shoulder and say, You're praising God. You're praising God. And when they said, no, I'm not, and I said, yes, you are. (laughs) This world's falling away. Falling away as a result of sin. We have sicknesses and deaths and all of those things, and it's the result of sin. You know what? They could fix each disease known to man right now. They could find a cure for every cancer. They could find a cure for HIV. They could find a cure for tuberculosis, whatever else is out there that they don't have a cure for right now, they could cure each and every one of them and we could not suffer from those diseases anymore. And you know what? We'd start bashing each other on the head with rocks to create suffering. You know why? Because we are a fallen creation. We're not going to bring glory to God anymore. We can't bring glory to God apart from Jesus Christ. And that's why as believers we look and we say, God, we'll come back. God, come back. Because this hurts. God, I'm groaning for the day when you return and you glorify me. We, we just can't. And this scripture tells us here in Romans 8 that we, we hope for what we can't see. We don't hope for what we see. If we could hope in what we saw, then it'd be something we could fix, right? But it's not something we can see. We have to hope for the things that are above us, for the things that only God can do. And that is his coming glory that's coming when he steps out and he cries out. And I don't know about you guys. But I love the end of verse 25. (coughs) We hope for what we don't see. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. You know what that means? We eagerly await for it by enduring. And why do we endure? Because we know what's coming. Huh? Think about that. Why do we endure? And why do we endure with perseverance? Because we know the coming glory of the God. We know that Jesus Christ is coming back and all things are going to be made new. We have that hope and we haven't seen it, but we believe it. And that's what gives us our perseverance as believers. How many of you can say without a shadow of a doubt that you wouldn't be where you are right now apart from Jesus Christ? Huh? Come on now. Five of you. Let's go. Come on. How many of you can say you wouldn't be where you're at apart from Jesus Christ? better. How many of you can say you wouldn't be where you're at apart from Jesus Christ? Think about that. That means that you have endured with perseverance, looking forward to the thing that you cannot put your hands on and see. That, my friends, is a gift from God. 
Now this message would be depressing. I know some of you are thinking, boy, this ain't your normal tone and tenor, Brother Jason. This ain't normally the way you do it. You don't normally stand up there for two points talking about how bad sin is. You don't normally stand up there talking about how the creation is, is falling apart. You don't talk about how man is falling apart. You don't, you don't spend that much time there. You, you talk about the Holy Spirit. Amen, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Thank God for our last point this morning. And that is this, the groaning is looking to the glory. Hang on, let me say that again. Five of you got it. The groaning is looking to the glory. I'm going to preach over here for a minute. The groaning is looking. I'm going to find somebody that understands this. The groaning is looking to the glory. All right, the middle. That's where I should have started. Should have known that in a Baptist church, they, they kind of flank to the outside and then they're forced to the middle. Look at verse 18 with me. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul says, now hang on, was there anybody more fit to write about grumbling and groaning than Paul? That man was left for dead. He spent most of his Christian life in a prison cell. He wrote most of the New Testament while he was in shackles. He, he preached to people in a jail, so there was an earthquake that set him free and he didn't even walk out so he could preach to somebody. I mean, if anybody was going to talk about groaning and suffering, Paul had the license to talk about suffering. And he, Paul says, I, I consider <clears throat> that these sufferings of this age, they ain't got nothing on heaven. Huh? Paul said, I consider that the sufferings that I'm enduring right now ain't got nothing on the coming glory. Of God. Matthew 19 29 says that our inheritance is 100 fold. 2 Corinthians 4 17 says the light afflictions. That's right, he says the light afflictions. That means all those things you're dealing with now, those are light afflictions. These light afflictions, they're working together for the eternal weight of glory in your life. John 16 hang on, this one's good. John 16 says, In this world, you'll have troubles, but take courage. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. But take courage because I have overcome them all. Hang on, wait a minute. You mean you've overcome? Yes. Well, Brother Jason, I've got yes. Well, Brother Jason, I, I've, I've endured. Yes. You don't understand, Brother Jason. I've, I don't care. Jesus said, take courage. I've overcome them all. Give you all a little Greek word this morning. All means all, always. That means each and every time he uses the word all, he means everything. <clears throat> there is no condition in that word. So he says, take heart, take courage. I have overcome everything you may ever endure. No matter what it is you're enduring, I've overcome it. This is even better. John 19, 30. Jesus on the cross cries out with a loud voice and he says to Talisda, It is finished. My friends, that means that on that cross, what Jesus did was he said, he says they, they've been subject to a curse of sin. But I just paid that debt. When he said it is finished, what was finished? What was finished was you have a hope. 
What was finished is you don't owe a sin debt anymore if you have the blood of Jesus applied to your life. It is finished. The race is run. The race is won. It's all over. The debt is paid in full. The ransom is settled. The glory of God is revealed in that the death of Jesus Christ, He died for the sins of an unholy man. And it is finished means it, it means everything is finished. That means mankind is going backwards. Things are not getting better. They're just not. And they're not going to until Jesus comes back. Now I'm not saying, I'm not one of those, don't go tell your uh, conservationalist friends what I'm about to say. Go tell them if you want to, I don't care. I'm not saying go throw your trash out on the side of the road. My wife knows that I hate littering as much as I hate about anything in this world. I've turned around the truck one time to go pick up a bottle when we first started dating. She thought I was crazy. It's a wonder she's still with me. I hate littering. I hate trash and creation. I hate it all. But my friends, can I tell you something? This world's falling apart. Not just mankind, the creation. It's falling apart. We got global warming. We got... You know what's happening? It's falling apart because it can't glorify God anymore. It's just going backwards. We can fix whatever we want to fix, and it's still going to fall apart no matter how hard we try. Why? Because it has been subjected to the sin of man. We messed it up when we sinned. And only the coming of Jesus Christ is going to fix it because only Jesus Christ fixed sin, and he did it in John 19.30 when he said it's finished. That means... This is going to get good. I've been wanting to preach this. I've been wanting to preach this since about Tuesday morning. That means that as a believer, whatever I'm enduring, whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm dealing with, whatever it is, whatever, whatever you're groaning about right now, whatever suffering that you're enduring right now, no matter what suffering you ever will endure, if you've got Jesus in your heart, you can take heart because the afflictions of this earth, they're just temporary. I am just Passing through this world. I'm just moving right on through this world. I'm going to be going to a new place one day where joy shall never end. I'm on my way to sing a new song that I don't even know the words to now. Because if he gave me the words now, I'd mess them up. I am on my way to glory. This address that I have at 5781 Old Murfreesboro Road, East Lebanon, Tennessee, 37090, it's just a temporary address. It is subject to change in a moment's notice when Jesus says, children, come on home. I'm going to get up and I'm going to zoot shoot right on out and I'm going to glory. And I'm not going to be worried about whatever suffering that I was dealing with on this earth. When he says, come on, I'm going to get up. And I'm going to go home to see Jesus. That means one day I'll be enduring, the next day I'll be enjoying. Amen. It means one day I'll be pressured, the next day I'll be praising. One day I'll be struggling, the next day I'll be shouting. Huh? I'll be shouting. Because this ain't my eternal residence, I'm just passing through this old world. Revelation 21.4 Oh, man. Revelation 24 says, And God will wipe away. How many tears? He'll wipe them all away. And there'll be no more what? There'll be no more what? No more what? There'll be no more. For what will happen to the former things? 
hang on, let me get that again. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying. And there'll be no more pain. For all those things will have passed away. My friends, how do we endure with hope? We look forward to the day knowing that our pain and our tears and our death will pass away. Look at verse 5 with me. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are true and faithful. Verse 6. And he said to me, It's done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. I'll give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Look at verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I'll be his God and he shall be my son. Hang on. Verse 4, he said, no more death. Verse 5, he made all things new. Verse 6, he gave us fountains of life to drink from. And verse 7, he says, it's for those of us who overcome. It's for those of us who overcome. Well, if you're going to overcome, then that means you have to endure some sufferings on this earth. So my friends, the sufferings of this present time, take heart, for you're an overcomer. Huh? You're an overcomer. If you know Jesus, you're an overcomer. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask Miss Alita to come and, and just begin playing for me. And as Miss Alita comes and begins playing, I want to ask you a question. Do you feel like an overcomer this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. All throughout the house. You ain't got to worry about your neighbor looking and wondering what's wrong with you. Why, 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 do you. why do you need to feel like an overcomer? What's wrong with you? Nobody's looking. It's just you and God. But I want you to do me a favor this morning. If you're going through something, if you're groaning for something, if you're suffering through something, I want you right now just to look up. Let me catch your eyes so I know who to pray for. Just look me in the eyes. Thank you. Take heart. There's eyes everywhere in the house of God this morning. You know what that tells me? That tells me that even a child of God is not immune to suffering. So if you're suffering, that's okay. You got brothers and sisters through this whole house this morning. Now there's somebody in this house this morning who's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know what? You're not an overcomer right now. Right now, your home ain't heaven. Right now, this is as good as it gets. Because when this life is over, the eternal punishment is much worse. The separation from God is much worse. You don't have the hope in things you haven't seen. You have only hope in what you see. And I just said, this world is dying. So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in just a moment... Every head is going to stay bowed. Every eye is going to stay closed through this whole invitation this morning. And we're going to be doing three things. There's three things for you to do this morning. One, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when this lady begins singing, I want you to get up from where you're at. I want you to come and find me, and I want to tell you what it means to accept Jesus. I want you to do that this morning. Two, you are a believer. You're enduring something. 
And you need to lay it at the feet of Jesus. When the song starts, every other head will be bowed. Every other eye will be closed. I want you to make your way to the altar of the Lord. And I want you to leave that burden right here at this altar because you don't have to carry it anymore. Because Jesus already said it is finished. He's already died for whatever that burden is. So when she starts singing, I want you to come. And I want you to pray. And if you're here this morning and by the grace of God, you've already overcome something. You're not in a storm right now. I want you praying through this invitation for those who are. You don't know their names. You don't need to know them. You don't know their faces. You don't need to see them. You just need to be praying. Father God, God, I I thank you. I thank you for this morning that you've given us, Lord God, to come into your house, to gather in your name and to worship you, Lord Jesus. I pray for all those who looked up, Lord God. Too many for me to remember my name. But I remember all their faces and I pray for their burdens right now, God. God, you need to give some strength. You need to give some wisdom. You need to give some perseverance, Lord God. But your word says that for those of us who overcome, you'll wipe away all our tears and all our sorrows and all our death. And every head remain bowed. Every eye remain closed. Miss Alita, start singing and it's in your heavenly name, Jesus. Come to the altar of the Lord this morning. With tears still on your face, I heard you say my name. My night was turned today because you came. I knew that you would come and you sang. see your face I am alive you came I knew that you would come I knew that you would come you said death's only sleeping one word my heart was beating I rose up from my grave my fear was turned to faith cause you came I knew that you'd come and you sang my heart woke up not afraid to see your face. I am alive. You came and do the you come. Oh God, and do the you come. Cause you are a miracle working God. 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 
Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.